welcome back to our weird history episode where we seek to bring you tales of the strange and unusual throughout history but before we introduce today's topic we have a guest hi everyone i'm matt pleasure to be here happy to sit in i'm not sure that's true <laughs> i'm gonna try not to sound stupid <laughs> i'm just here to get reactions i tell the story you have fun that's all that's necessary. I can do that. All right then. Yep. So what are we talking about this week, Melissa? What's this episode's topic? It's a secret. Okay, you can't keep it a secret if we're gonna be talking about it. It's called the secret. Oh. Huh? Like the book. <laughs> so how do I want to start this one off? I'm pretty sure as kids, a lot of us, particularly having grown around like you and I with the Indiana Jones movies, most of us probably from the Goonies have grown up kind of pretending to find buried treasure, playing pirates, or maybe having fun with metal detectors. I haven't met anyone who's done that, but it sure sounds like fun. And I would say there's plenty of people out there that have actually gone on search for lost treasure, whether it's metal detectors on the beach or they were fascinated by a story and decided to go out and see if they can find treasure. You were talking also like Oak Island with Captain Kidd, Beale's treasure out in Virginia, lost Dutchman's mine and things like that. I mean, how about all of the above? Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure everybody at some point or another has had a, a point in their life where they've wanted to find buried treasure. I mean, it's a pretty awesome thing to think about finding and possibly actively finding. Yeah. Well, today's episode is about finding buried treasure. Ooh. What kind? Let's hear it. Whose buried treasure is this? <laughs> um, part of it is still never been found so there's also the ones that you know like lost dutchman's is it real is it not real can you find it has anyone found it many people have tried but before we talk about the hunt let's talk about the man behind the hunt we're going to be talking about a a couple of books but the main book that i'm going to be talking about in a bit is written by a man named byron price and he was born in April of 1953 in Brooklyn, New York. And he would go on to graduate with degrees from both UPenn and Stanford University. And in the early 70s, he was teaching elementary school when he and I think a friend of his, Jim Steranko, created what would become an anti-drug comic book. And it kind of got picked up and got distributed. And this kind of led Price down the line to eventually create his own publishing company which actually became quite successful and that started in 74 two years after his first book publication and he called it byron price visual publications throughout the 70s he and his company would go on to create a variety of various graphic novels and other comics such as weird heroes star fawn and Son of Sherlock Holmes, which is field, I feel like that's something I should probably go check out. In addition to his publishing company, the company would also work to create known book titles and publish a variety of children's books too. One of them called Dragon World, which was quite popular, came out in 1979. His company is also known for their audio book of producing the audio book, The Words of Gandhi, which was also audio uh, recorded by Ben Kingsley when the movie came out, I think. And then in 1982, Priest would go on to conceive of a puzzle book, which would lead to the secret we're going to talk about. And to this day, the book has many stumped on trying to find the treasures within it. But before we get talking about that specific book, we're going to talk about the book that inspired it, that also was written as a treasure hunt. So that book would have been called The Masquerade. And this was written in 1979 by Kit Williams, who's from the UK. 
And Kit was challenged to, quote, do something with a picture book that had never been done before. So he conceived of 15 illustrations in the book that tell the story of Jack Hare and his treasure chest. And in the book, Jack is tasked with taking treasure from the moon and delivering the treasure to the sun. But upon arriving at the sun, the rabbit finds out he lost his treasure. So the book itself is set up as a picture book with clues for the readers to literally go out in Britain and wander around to lead them to a literal bejeweled golden rabbit that Kit Williams had hid somewhere in England. Has it ever been found? Um, maybe, maybe. Like several times, probably. I'm sure he re-hit it, I guess. Um, there was only one rabbit. So Williams put the rabbit in a sealed ceramic coffin and inscribed the coffin with, I am the keeper of the jewel of masquerade, which lies waiting safe inside for you or eternity. I liked that. That was pretty cool. On August 7th, 1979, Williams and Bamber Gaspioni discreetly buried the hair at Amp Hill Park and then made a publicity or made up some publicity about the upcoming book and ordered to gain momentum for people to go out hunting for the rabbit, which might be the only acceptable rabbit hunt I would probably participate in. <laughs> I'd do it. Yeah. You know, like Napoleon? <laughs> Napoleon and the bunnies? What? If I got chased by 3,000 rabbits, I would be pretty scared too. But I still want a rabbit. Now, in order to make the hunt fair, Kit Williams stated he would only accept the first correct answer that was mailed out to him as the actual winner. And as soon as it hit shelves, the book was a major hit with publications throughout the world. And hundreds of people would take time over the next couple of years perusing over the book and walking all along the grounds of England looking for this rabbit. So one of the clues that Lauren's going to enjoy is Catherine's long finger overshadows earth, buried yellow amulet midday, points the hour in light of equinox, look new. Just which Catherine... Is it my personal favorite, Catherine? Mm-hmm. Catherine of Aragon? Mm-hmm. Oh. Okay. So it's Catherine of Aragon. Mm-hmm. Yellow amulet. It, is it talking about where she's buried? Mm-hmm. Damn. This is just one of the clues in the book. I didn't see how to solve it. I know, but it's fascinating. So why wouldn't I even try at least? Well, I literally gave you a clue about two, three sentences ago. About literally where they buried the hair, which oh. the literal, the, 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 the code tells you where to go uh, dig up the hair. It's going to be by her grave. And nearby, yeah. Okay, so nearby Catherine of Aragon's grave. Well, sort of. I think it's near a marker of Aragon. I don't think it's near her grave specifically. Okay. Oh, God. That opens it up. For me, at least. But if you were paying attention about three, four sentences ago, I gave you the literal exact location. Thanks. That makes me feel so much better about this. What about you, Matt? Any thoughts? <laughs> this has nothing to do with the actual story. You guys are just having fun with this piece right now. So help yourself or I can give you the answer. Just because this is going to take forever if you don't. I like, was about to say. You yeah, might as well um, just tell us. So if you take the first letter of almost every word in that sentence, it literally reads out close by Amphill, which is near the cross of Aragon, 
when the sun hits it on either the, the fall or spring equinox. Okay, so, oh, over by Amp Hill, okay. Yeah. Um, so the book came out in 1979. It wasn't until 1982 that someone solved the book. So yeah, it took three years for someone to finally solve the book. And this would be a man who called himself Ken Thomas. And he correctly sent by mail to Kit Williams the correct location of Jack Hare. And he was awarded the prize because he had the correct answer. Okay. However, very soon after this, Ken Thomas says, hey, here's a picture of where everything's buried. Do I get the prize? Two teachers, Mike Barker and John Rousseau, also contacted Williams with the correct answer. Now, there's some controversy and scandal with this book as well, and I won't go into a lot of detail about it, but there's two different versions of how this Ken Thomas won the golden hair. One story is that the teachers were working together to try to find the answer and they had found the location of the treasure, but as they were digging, they dug up the coffin because it wouldn't have been super large. It was not a full-size coffin, but hadn't noticed that they had actually dug it up. And this Ken Thomas apparently had seen them digging and when the two men left for the day, went and searched the dirt piles and found the coffin and then won the prize. That's one version. The other is that this Ken Thomas is the ex-girlfriend of Kit Williams, who then told somewhere, someone else where the treasure was because she had the knowledge of it. And it ended up being a really big scandal. Well, if it was the first one, he's a cheat. Either way, it's still a cheat. Yeah, it's just, just, I don't know. I feel like the first one is bad. Second one is just mean. <laughs> so, Cheating, yeah. mean. It, I mean, this person pretending to be Ken Thomas won the prize, fair and square, according to the rules of, the, of, the, of Masquerade. But the Masquerade got a little bit of a scandal with that. And eventually, this and literally bejeweled golden rabbit was sold at Sotheby's in 1988 for around 32,000 English pounds. I forgot to translate that into American. My apologies. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to assume it's probably close to around $25,000. I mean, 32,000, you said? 32,000 pounds, 1988. Uh, and today in pounds, it's $91,430. In pounds or in USD? In, in pounds. So 91,000 what dollars? 91,429.89 pounds. Okay, well, it's about $114,000 and 98 cents. $114,098 with 82 cents. Okay. So give yeah. or take, because I just put in a whole number there. Okay, cool. All right. So yeah, <clears throat> it would be uh, pretty expensive today. Really? <laughs> that $114,000 didn't uh, clue us in? Yeah. So it sold its off in 1988 and went to an anonymous buyer. And it, the, the rabbit's whereabouts remained unknown for the next 20 years. Ooh. Did we figure it out? Did we figure out who, who bought it? No. Oh. That really wasn't the point I was going with. Oh, darn. Is it, is it traveling around? No. I'm just saying no one knows who the anonymous buyer is. Oh. And that person kept it for the following 20 years. We just don't know who it is. But in 2009, Kit Williams was interviewed about Masquerade and said he wished he could see the rabbit at least one more time. 
And the granddaughter of the person who bought it in 1988 saw the interview and actually arranged a meeting with Williams. And that meeting was actually televised for the documentary, The Man Behind the Masquerade. Mm-hmm. But we are here to talk about Byron Price's The Secret, which is a book inspired by The Masquerade. Just out of curiosity, so before we get started, how are you guys feeling about the story? I'm, I'm more excited to get into The Secret now. Well, I am. There's a bunny that was found. We don't know who bought it. The bunny has no point except that it's just the inspiration for the book I'm really going to talk okay, about. Okay, I see now. Yes. Let's right, go. The secret? Yes. I'm dying to know. So because of the major popularity of the masquerade, Price published The Secret in 1982 here in America. And in this book, there are 12 illustrations, 12 verses, and the verses are mirrored to the illustrations and will lead you with clues to the hiding spots. The big difference between The Secret and The Masquerade is that instead of 15 illustrations leading you to one piece of treasure, Price presents you with 12 different treasures to find. Oh, so instead of 12 clues to one treasure, it's 12 treasures in the secret. Yeah, so one, one poem, one illustration per treasure. Okay. The most difficult part though about this is that the items are hidden on public grounds, which is a standard thing to do, of course. But throughout the entirety of America and possibly in Montreal, there's, there's speculation on that one. So you mean throughout the entirety of the USA plus Montreal? Possibly. Oh, yeah. That's the tricky part, really, is that you have 48 states. Well, the continental u.s at the least okay so that. then 48 states plus montreal so 49 areas and then you also have to cross into canada po- well I, I can't imagine he really would have gone into canada but there's possible that there might be one in canada speculation but at the very least you have 48 states and 12 puzzles and it only gets a little wackier from there and there could be anywhere within the territory yep in town, out of town sort of thing, wilderness or what? Public grounds. So it's going to be okay. in major cities on public grounds. So it's going to be more like the major cities, like you were saying, like LA or Seattle or something like that, like big, bigger cities, not, not like the capitals, <laughs> like Olympia. Well, I mean, it could be that too. I'm saying it's not going to be in the middle of the plains up in Montana. Hmm where there are no landmarkers for you to look at, you know. That's, uh, I can see that. I don't know how you'd have a clue turn without a landmarker. Turn left at the tree. Which one? <laughs> what tree? There, it's yeah. Iceland. <laughs> You're in Montana? <laughs> Find the tree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> tall tree, just so you know. Right. It's tall pine tree. <laughs> oh, God. So, in terms of the agreements of the secret, if you found one of the treasures, you had a choice. The key that was in the box that you found that meant that you found the treasure, or you could contact the Price family and literally exchange the key for an actual precious gemstone. Wow. Mm-hmm. A specific one or just it could be any gemstone? um they all seem to be emeralds at the least or at least the ones that have been found seem to be all emeralds okay i was about to say no that's 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 a pretty nice precious stone i'm okay with that yeah i mean emeralds are nice emeralds are nice they're also a very pretty hue of green yes especially the smithsonian yes what about the key then did anyone keep the key? Did they do anything with it? Yeah, everyone turned it in for a gemstone. <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty universal. They're like, no, I definitely want that emerald. I mean, you could get a really expensive gemstone or you could keep a key. Oh, man, curiosity, though. Right. I think the curiosity would get the better of you and I and maybe Melissa, too. 
but a, a lot of people wanted a guarantee about what they were getting. I get that. Well, yeah. here's the thing is, okay, before I talk about the treasures that have been found, and before I finish this section, since we're here, um, it's going to come up in the third treasure that's been found out of the 12. But a few years ago, Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates did an episode on this book. And that's how I found about it in the first place because it's a really great show. And I was really, really intrigued about it because I love puzzles. And I actually was able to go to Barnes & Noble and buy the book. Now, partly the reason I got the book is because I was really intrigued. Part of it is because it's supposedly one of the, the, the unsolved puzzles might be out in Virginia, so which is my home state. And so I was like, oh, that's really cool. It's kind of like Beale's treasure, except this one's real. What? Where? I don't know where. It didn't have any clue, just Virginia. Well, based off the landmarks and some of the pictures, there are some people think it may possibly be in, in Richmond. They're not sure, but it's a possibility. That would make sense. It would either be in Richmond or up near Nova. Well, I would think either one of the two, yeah. Or I mean, I can't imagine it's in Virginia Beach. Eh, I doubt that. I mean, both of us lived in Virginia, guys. So this is would, why we're, we're debating cities in here. I would think more towards Richmond than is the capital. I would think more towards Richmond too. Plus, if if it was going to be up in Nova, it'd probably just be in DC itself. I would think. Yeah, yeah because there's, I mean, there's so much up in Nova. I mean, you got Manassas, and you got Old Town, Alexandria, regular Alexandria, Arlington, Fairfax. You could pick yeah. any one of those, but they're they're well known enough in terms of state history. But I don't know if the markers really add up. But I got it because I was really intrigued, and then I actually got it for my sister as a Christmas present one year, which is why partly why I got the book because she still lives out there. So I don't know if I did. Yeah. By the way, I just thought of something. If I was to hide it somewhere in Richmond. I'd probably do it along Monument Avenue. Well, you'd have to maybe get the book and look and see if you can correspond some of the architecture and the pictures to Richmond. I I might have to. I think <laughs> I might have to. Well, if you like this, maybe I'll do another weird history on Beale's treasure then. Because I like Beale's treasure. I think it's fascinating. <laughs> so to continue with this one, as I mentioned, there are some that have been found. And by the time a price is passing, he died from um, an accidental automobile, uh, fatal automobile accident, unfortunately, in 2005. By 2005, two of the 12 had been found. The book came out in 1982. He did a really good job of not only hiding those pieces, but of giving very little clues or very complicated clues. I'm not sure which one. I would say they're complicated clues. Oh, I'm excited. Because it got, it, 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 it wasn't as big as Masquerade okay. was, but it was popular enough, at least here in the States, because Masquerade was for the UK, the secrets for the States. But it was popular enough that people took interest in it. Well, yeah, two were found. By the way, where were they found? Um, I'll get to it. I got it coming. I'm too excited. <laughs> I love uh, I love treasure hunts and ciphers and codes. Oh, I love them so much. I definitely oh. like treasure hunt, less of the cipher. I, I, I'm an amateur. I leave the cipher to you. Say? Well, if I was to go on a treasure hunt, you would be my partner. Because <laughs> like, split it 50-50. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Although, if I were to make you a treasure hunt, I don't know that you could solve my codes either. But I don't know how much time you'd put into trying to solve it anyway. And your code's zero because they'd be far too fucking complicated for my <laughs> brain. My brain does not work on the same level that yours does, especially when it comes to ciphers and codes. I've been doing this kind of stuff since I could read. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, that I don't doubt. Nope. Actually, I already know the answer. For, well, I don't doubt it at all. So. <laughs> So, as I said, by the time the price unfortunately died in 2005, only two of the 12 had been found with the book having been written in 1982. And the third one, 
I didn't realize there was a third one because by the time that the Josh Gates episode had come out, there was still only two. So I always thought it was just two. Now there's a third. Third one was found in 2019. Three years ago. That's it? Mm-hmm. Damn. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we were in the midst of, uh, what? I well, no, we weren't in the midst of the pandemic yet. Not yeah. quite. That was pre-pandemic. I was thinking somebody had a lot of time on their hands during the pandemic, and then I was like, wait, nope, wrong time. Not, mm-hmm. not quite. Up the internet, people have a lot of time on their hands. That's true. <laughs> I have been on the internet. It's called TikTok, and it's not a good thing. <laughs> Although Priest had, or, or Price had passed away, his family does say that, obviously, that if anyone finds the treasure, they're still entitled to the terms of the hunt, which is what happened in 2019. Now, here's the worst part about everything. Is it's not so much that the book is somewhat complicated. It's that Unfortunately, Price never wrote down the exact locations of any of the puzzles. What? And his wife doesn't know the locations of any of the puzzles. So like when you normally solve something and there's the answers in the back of the book, there's none of that. No. He he doesn't even have a list in a safe that we're aware of that tells the locations of where any of these specifically are. It sounds like he uh, took it literal and took it to his grave. Oh, very literal. Yeah. Yeah. So, and we'll get into that in the very last section, but there's more of that coming up. Looks like we're going on a hunt. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there is a link in my source notes that mentions the clues and where it's possible that, like, there's a Wikipedia page about it. And it tells you, you know, puzzle one, puzzle two, and all the way down to 12, which ones have or have not been found and the possible locations of each one that people think they're in. But now that we've covered some of this, let's talk about the ones that have been found. You ready? Okay. Yep. (laughs) So the first ever treasure was located in Chicago just a year after the book came out in 1983. Somebody figured that out real quick. Mm-hmm. So as a gift, the book was given to Eric Gasolorowski by his friend Rob Rebel. And the two teens, along with their friend David James, poured over the book. And uh, I'd assume, imagine what it would be like to find one of these treasures, because the book had started to pick up a bit of momentum at that point. And soon the trio were convinced that one of the clues in the book led them to the water tower landmark in downtown Chicago where they lived. And Rebel would later say, it was a tower with windmills on it, but if you took them off, it turned into the water tower, meaning the illustration in the book. And the illustrations are very 80s, late 70s, gorgeous pictures, but they are there's a lot going on in all the pictures. Remember the ones I sent you yesterday with all the colored pictures? Yes. Those are the pages from this book. Oh, oh okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So, and the corresponding illustration for this first puzzle that was found, the three guys also realized that there was a very familiar looking horseman statuette or silhouette in the illustration. They then followed the clues on the corresponding page that specifically stated that M and B, and or they realized that the the abbreviations of M and B in the poem led them to the Symphony Center in downtown Chicago, where Mozart and Beethoven are inscribed on the wall. And from there, they followed the clues, which led them down Michigan Avenue to Grant Park following the rest of the clues on that corresponding poem, which is L sit and left beyond his shoulder is the fair folks treasure holder. And then also it says 10 by 13 trees. So this led them beyond the statue of Lincoln, L beyond his shoulder, past several trees into the park. Now the very last clue on the page says for finding jewel cast, seek the sounds of rumble brush and music hush. And the three of them were able to 
realized that this pointed to a small corner where the rumble of the, the train, the art institute and an outdoor amphitheater all kind of merge, connect, like the lands connect to each other. That look on your face. <laughs> I, I, I brought the pictures back up again so that we could kind of follow along if we could find the right picture. Yeah. Um, it's the one with the windmill. Windmill. And a tower oh. with windmills on it. Uh, aha. The one that's sitting on top of something's head. I think so, yeah. Looks like it's sitting on top of like a goblin or something like that. Looks like one of the characters from the never ending story. <laughs> I didn't I didn't hear that. Oh, it looks like one of the characters from the never ending story. Ah. Okay. Yeah. That that's quite the clue. Well, you can see it through the pictures that they're quite complicated too, mm -hmm. because they're. Pro I'm sure there's red herrings in the pictures. So What's going on in these pictures, yeah. There's a lot going on in the pictures. They're gorgeous oh, yeah. pictures. Just for the illustrations alone, they're great to look at. Mm -hmm. But to think that they're also a clue, like. Well, the poem is written to give you directions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you start, you, 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 if once you figure out from the picture where, what city or part of the city that you think the clue is going to be in, then you follow the corresponding poem and follow the directions to the treasure. That's how it works. You also have to find out what city this is. Like, I would not have guessed. What was it? Chicago? Yeah. I would not have guessed Chicago from this picture. What do you live in Chicago? Would you recognize the, the, the landmarks? The, these guys lived in downtown Chicago. They recognize the landmarks. Let's see if there's one that I can recognize. <laughs> I'm not sure if I remember which one. Go to the Wikipedia page and see if there's one that says which one is Virginia and maybe you'll recognize which one. Uh, is it just called the secret Wikipedia page? Yeah, if you type in the secret treasure hunt or something like that, it should pop up. So to continue with the first treasure, the boys, though they tried to find it at this exact location, they were unable to locate it specifically. They dug, but they couldn't find the exact spot, but they were, they were very, very certain they found the exact location. So they actually contacted Price and he then sent them a picture of where they were digging to letting them know that they were in the correct place. So the teens then went back, made a large trench in the area, and then successfully unearthed the very first treasure to be found that they traded in for a real emerald. Well, to that, they should have opened the treasure box. I agree. The <laughs> box had the key. You trade the key in for the emerald. Oh, I see. That's, uh, that's that by the way, I'm looking at this list. I misunderstood this whole time. Sorry. But I'm looking at this list and I don't see Virginia on it. I see California, South Carolina, North Carolina, Ohio, Illinois, Florida, Louisiana, Texas, Canada, Wisconsin, Massachusetts, and New York. Again, these are all supposed places. Yes. Well, except for the Cleveland, Ohio, Chicago, Illinois, and Boston. Those were solved. Right, which is where I'll be getting to next, yeah. So, okay. Uh, well, we'll look into this later. I'm, oh, yeah. You okay. and I can do this off recording. <laughs> <laughs> if Matt wants to join, he's welcome to. Anyone wants to join, they're welcome to. Thank you. Nah, never mind, take it back. Anyway, uh, you ready for the next one? <laughs> yes. Okay. So the second treasure, <laughs> I'm waiting. Second treasure is going to be, uh, it's got to be Ohio, right? Yes. Way to ruin that. Thanks. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it was found in Cleveland, Ohio in 2004. And this was by, <laughs> a, uh, this was uh, found by Brian Zinn. What? I'm still laughing at the fact that you're like, thanks a lot. <laughs> We're in my fun here. 
Oh no, you've got the last one. So anyway, um, so apparently when the book came out in 1982, Brian Zen immediately bought a copy of it and began to peruse that to see if he could also find one too. Now, apparently Zen had always been kind of a puzzle solver, looking at myself right here, and apparently earned the nickname Grandmaster of All Games while he was in college. That's a hell of a title. I, I have a feeling that he probably played a lot of D&D too. <laughs> it just sounds like a great D&D, like dungeon master kind of a title. That's where my mind went to. I, and I, hey, D&D is great. Love it. So according to Zen, one of the pictures immediately caught his eye. And this is back in 1982. The centaur holding a chalice behind a series of stone arches. And he believed that it referenced Philadelphia and the Liberty Bell, because at the time he lived in Philadelphia. And also Philadelphia is quite old. So there are a lot of stone arches throughout the city because there's a lot of old architecture. And he would walk the city to see if, based off the clues, it, that the city itself revealed any more clues that would correspond with the page puzzle that he thought corresponded with Philadelphia. But alas, nothing else uh, kind of came out at him. Unfortunately, over time, Zinn misplaced the book. And over the years, though he kept thinking of it, he couldn't find the book, but he kept thinking about this puzzle and was like, oh, I'm pretty sure it's in Philadelphia. I know it's in Philadelphia. And eventually, many, many years later, would refine his book in a pile of his old log textbooks. And when he found it, it rekindled his search for this treasure. And he contacted Price to ask if this particular puzzle was located in Philadelphia. But Price responded saying that it wasn't. So during the 90s, we have the internet, right? Particularly towards the latter half of the 90s. Yeah. By this time, the book still had kind of a little following and a niche of treasure, a niche of treasure lovers were online and set up several sites dedicated to solving the puzzles of this particular book which I think was kind of cool. So Zinn, his friend Andy Abrams, joined the forum questfortreasure.co.uk and they would swap stories or possibilities with other users uh, on the forum. And one user going by the name of Johan mentioned that the names in the poetic clue that he was referring, that Zinn was looking at actually referred to Cleveland Greek Gardens which have Sophocles and a few other Greek names written in there, obviously. So after realizing this, Zinn and Abrams contacted the garden's groundskeeper and asked if there was, they were able to get a hold of a blueprint of the gardens from the 1930s when it was built. So they were able to get a hold of the blueprint. They drove the nine hours to the Greek garden and then following the instructions on the, the corresponding poem page. Beneath the 10th stone from right to left, beneath the ninth row from the top. And this kind of got some publicity too while they were doing this. There were actually sometimes some reporters who got a hold of what the men were doing and would follow them with the cameras. And there's actual, uh, particularly for the first one and for this one, there's a news little news clip it's you can watch online and the men followed the instructions found a place that they thought was right and began digging and digging and digging and after four hours still no luck yeah Yeah, that's a lot of digging for me a little too much about four hours too many My question is, how deep did they get? <laughs> well, the, Price would never have buried it more than maybe a, a foot tops underground. It would never have been 
super deep. It's not uh, like the so how how wide across the grounds did they keep dig? How many holes were there? Like ten by ten. <laughs> well, if you watch the news clips, you'll find out. I don't want to. It's it's hard to really describe, but it's in a garden section. So if you've ever gone to a little garden and there's that sort of oh. outcropping little bend. Mm-hmm above other little beds you know like a step bed yeah that makes sense to some people so they tore up someone's flower bed uh, it's a local park and they got permission okay i'm saying <laughs> they were they were they were given permission to go searching for it because it's not like they were gonna go dig around the entire garden fair enough so but Again, the clue for this one was beneath the 10th stone from right to left, beneath the ninth row from the top. So they were certain that they were in the right place, but they couldn't find it. So Zinn, the puzzle master, had a brilliant flash, mind you, after four hours of digging, had a brilliant flash that from right to left is the major clue we're looking at what we think is the correct place, right? We're thinking right to left, but it's not here. What if we turn around and face out and go right to left from there? Reverse the perspective. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Which 180? Yeah. I mean, perspective is really important, so. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's all like stage. Like, like, are you looking at the stage? You go right to left, but you're like stage left or right left. And like, my left or your left? Yeah. Right, right. So, realizing this may have actually been the right way all along, facing away from the location rather than looking at it, they went back on their digging. And on June 13th of 2004, at apparently exactly 3:26 p.m. They unearthed prize number two. Sounds like it was well learned too. That's a lot of effort. Yeah. It's a lot of digging. Driving nine hours and digging for probably close to at least four to five hours. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because first four hours and then you got at least another five, six, maybe another two, three hours. So that's five or six hours. No, if they spent four hours digging in the wrong place and realized that, hey, we just literally need to go to the opposite end of this bed and dig, it probably took them another half an hour tops. Because when I think of a good time, that's exactly what I think. Nine hour drive, several hours of digging, good times. Lots of laughs. I mean, digging is right up Melissa's in my alley. Maybe not yours. Oh, We're yeah. archaeologists. Yeah, I'm if not. it involves getting dirty, I'm all for it. Yes. If it involves being outside and, and getting dirty and solving puzzles, add a bonus. As long as I have a hat, let's do it. Just keep it away from the pickaxes. <laughs> so the third one is the one from 2019. So as I said, after Price's unfortunate passing in 2005, the hunts for the treasures and the secret kind of began to wane, despite the publicity of the 2004 solve. And also, as I mentioned before, he never wrote down any of the locations. So no one knows where any of these are literally buried, except Price. And he no longer speaks, so unfortunately, yes. So, and as I mentioned, in 2018, the Travel Channel had a show called Expedition Unknown with Josh Gates, which, again, is a really great TV show. And they premiered the episode of The Secret. Again, that's how I came across it. And soon after the episode aired, the Krupot family found themselves watching at, at this particular episode. And the cool thing is their father, Josh, is a puzzle and game designer. That's cool. And because well, of- give show leg up. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Well, it did because he found himself really captive by, captivated by the book, by the tales of the other two treasure hunters that had found this stuff too. So the family got together and go, we could solve one of these. Let's go ahead and try it. Which sounds like a really fun family outing. I'm, I'm all for that. So one of the puzzles they deduced was nearby in Boston. 
and the family would make weekend trips up to Boston to see if they could find it. And they searched the areas around Boston Public Library and Copley Square because of the names Thucydides and Xenophon were inscribed like they were in the verse of the poem. But they had no luck. That was a very popular place for people to have been looking for it, but it wasn't the correct place. Upon closer inspection, the family became convinced that the treasure was actually located in the north end of Boston. Did, did they just use the poem or did they use one of the pictures? Well, both. Oh, which picture? Oh, I'm excited. I'm not sure which picture. I'm, I'm, oh, darn. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I didn't actually take the chance to look because I was too busy just admiring the pictures. Fair enough. Okay, keep going. Sorry. But one of the lines from the poem that corresponds with the Boston picture says 18th day, 12th hour, lit by lamplight, all referencing Paul Revere. <laughs> is, it, oh, is this during the, the War of Independence? No, it's just location. I know, but the reference to Paul Revere, never mind, the lamp. The it was referencing that particular area of Boston. Okay. Got it. Okay. So also following the line, face the water with your back to the stairs. So the family followed the instructions, came upon the place, and turned and realized that they were facing home plate of the softball field in Langdon Park in the north end of Boston. Unfortunately, the day they realized they had the correct clue and location, there was a very big hitch. There was construction on the ball field. Oh, no. <gasps> <laughs> convinced, convinced that they had 100% convinced they had the correct location. The family contacted the foreman of the construction site by email asking if they could come on site to look for the treasure. Obviously, the answer was going to be no, and their email actually never even received an answer. But that's not exactly surprising either. No. Probably just went into the trash bin. Yeah. Or did it. Oh. I wouldn't no. leave you hanging if it was just going to talk. No, 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 no. You know me better than this. Six months after their adventure out to North Boston to find the correct place, one of the men running one of the caterpillars in the digging machines hit an object while he was digging on the site. He closely inspected it and realized it's a box, now in shards, of ceramic and plexiglass. Immediately, he turned it over to his head office. Realizing the, about the email they had received six months before, the crewbot's email was finally answered. They were contacted and given permission to come on site and collect the box. What? Yeah. But it doesn't even just end there either. Having heard about this, the Expedition Unknown team and Josh Gates traveled over there to film it all. Wow. Yeah. And that's still not the coolest part either. After this, a week later, the Brooklyn Historical Society decided to hold a meeting for all three people who had found the treasures to come meet formally. And at this meeting, the Krupots met with the Price family and traded their key in for another gemstone. Wow. Oh. Holy cow. As you mentioned, there's 12. Only three have been solved. So there's still nine remaining. And the book came out in 1982. So. It's been 30 plus years. At it's, this been, point. it's been 40 it's been years 40. now. I keep forgetting we're in 2022. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it feels weird now. I, I sign 22 every day at the end when I'm putting the date, but... Unfortunately, it's over the last 40 years, it's really going to become less and less likely that any of the other ones may possibly be solved. Because partly due to just kind of uncertainty within the illustrations because they're so well complicated, but also life changing everywhere. Like you said, construction and whatnot. Exactly. Well, not even just that. So at one point, Sid Keller and Jason Bradbury believe that they made the location of another puzzle. 
and believed that one of them is in Herman Park in Texas. But at the time that they discovered where the location might likely be, it's uncoverable or unrecoverable due to the engulfing tree roots in that particular area of the park. They can't dig it. Some of the other potential locations also by this time in history now require permission to dig on those grounds because they're no longer public grounds or it's no longer an actual option. Like some people think one of them might be on Roanoke Island in North Carolina, which probably isn't, but you never know. That would be something. Mm -hmm. It also, by this point, isn't really a financially sound investment because the price of the gyms in today's money really only comes out to about $1,000 each, which isn't really, it's, it's a lot, but it's not a lot, but in terms of the amount of effort and permission and maybe licensing and all the stuff you have to go through the red tape now to get to certain places where you might be able to dig is it worth the thousand dollars for the what the gemstone and it's kind of a toss-up really yeah especially when if you live far away and you have to spend money to get there that too yeah but as it's been stated by jack renner Byron did this because he wanted the kids to go out and see the places that they're from and learn the history of their cities, not so much to win prizes and gemstones, uh, but also to encourage kids to go outside and have adventures. And most importantly, to bring fantastical storybook endings to the real world. Dang. That's pretty cool. Right? It's a great book. When you put it like that, yeah. Well, that'll do for another episode of History Explains It All. And we hope to see you next week as we check through history to explain it all. Bye. Bye, Matt.